0: Thanks for listening to the Courageous Church Podcast. We want you to know that wherever you are, God is with you. We hope this message leaves you feeling loved, encouraged, and courageous. We thank you for tuning in. Courageous Church, Courageous People. And now, here's today's message. All right, are you ready for the word today? Man, I got something weighty for you guys today, and I got something kid-friendly as well, so I've kept the kiddos in mind. I promise you, this will be a sermon you won't forget. So let's just get ready. God's getting ready to do something great in this room. I want to talk to you guys uh, uh, in this, uh, on this subject called Rehab from Word Wounds. Rehab from Word Wounds. Rehab from Word Wounds. Don't say that fast five times. Might be a tongue twister for some of you guys. But today we're going to rehab from the Word Wounds that some of us have suffered or have suffered through or have have inflicted on others. Today is about word wounds, and I'm excited to talk about words. So let's go to the word of God. Let's go to James chapter 3. Let's go to James chapter 3. I'm going to read from the first verse down to the 10th, and I'm reading in the NIV version. And it says, Not many of you should become teachers. My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I just wanna stop there and say that. Listen, be careful what you ask for. Teachers of any capacity, it didn't just say teachers of the word of God, it says teachers. Anybody who is instructing anyone else, listen, there is a stricter judgment that comes upon us. We should make sure that we're called to do that and we should do it circumspectively and we should do it in consideration of others that we're pouring into, not ourselves. We all stumble in many ways. But anyone, anyone who is never at fault in, in what they say is perfect. It says we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who, who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take a ship as an example, Although that they are, although they are large, although they are so large, and are driven by strong winds, there are steers by a very small rudder where, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, with the tongue we praise our Lord hallelujah and father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God out of the same mouth comes praises and cursings my brothers and sisters this should not be all good by itself then I'm going to give you one Old Testament scripture as well Proverbs 18 and 21 we quoted a lot here you should know this already It says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so that's why we're going to talk about word wounds today. Let's pray and let's get into the word. Father God, help our mouths, fix our tongues. Amen. Thank you, sir. That was awesome. Didn't the worship team do an awesome job today? Let me tell y'all something. That worship was like, man, that that was like a wellspring of water. It was just beautiful. These guys did such a great job. It's amazing what you can pull off with with even less than what what you expect you need. And so it's always a beautiful thing. We love to have intimate worship experiences like that because we want to show you that you can get your worship on at home, too. It doesn't require a lot for you to be able to worship God. Amen? So. Uh, There is a great book written by a guy by the name of Gary Chapman. You guys have heard us talk about this book before if you've heard us talk about relationships, and it's called The Five Love Languages. Anybody heard of this, Five Love Languages, okay? If you are in a relationship, you need this book. This is a must have if you're in a relationship because you need to understand the love language of your your, your partner, your spouse, your, your husband, your wife, And so so this book is a great book because it begins to break down and help us understand how all of us express love or how we we desire to receive love. And so this is important because the people that you find yourself in relationship with, if you don't understand what love language they need from you, then you can be trying to love them in a language that is your language, but it may not be the language that they need from you. And so it's important that you learn the language of people around you so that you can actually show them the language they need. I even recommend the love language book for kids. I think it's important for you to know what the love language is of your children, so you can understand how they express their love, how they expect you to give them love, and how how that looks. Because some of us can be giving love in the language that we want, but it may not be what they need. And so this book is great because it breaks down the five love languages, and I just wanna give you those five love languages really quick. For those of you guys who aren't aware of them, and those of you guys who aren't aware as well, you can actually take this test free online. You can go to fivelovelanguages.com, I believe it is, and you can go and take the, the test right there on your phone. Don't do it right now. I want you to pay attention to the message but do it when you get a chance and find out what your top love languages are and they will categorize your love languages in these five different languages. Number one is acts of service. Acts of service are all of my people in this room who actually get giddy and excited about people helping you physically by cleaning up or doing something for you or going to run an errand for you. Somebody went grocery shopping for you. Oh, you feel just loved and appreciated as a person. If somebody cleans up and they, they tell you, no, no, sit down, I got the dishes tonight. Oh my God, have mercy, I feel the love, hallelujah. Some of you are really big on acts of service. And then some of you guys are. My, my, my number two, which is gifts. Uh huh. Some of you love gifts. How many of you guys could just just could get gifts all day long? Where are my gifts people at? I love gifts. And then, hey, this is the thing about people who love gifts. You also love giving gifts. That's how you know that it's one of your love languages is because you like to actually give gifts as well. You actually take great joy in packaging gifts together and making sure it's right. You know that you're with a gifts person that when you get a gift, like it's just a candle or something like that, they didn't box it up, it's got a bow around it, the bow matches the box, the bow has to be right on the top and when they hand it to you, they don't want you to handle it the wrong way. And here's another one from gift people too. They like to see you open the gift in front of them. Hello. Yeah, you give somebody giving you're like, oh, oh, I'll open it right now, can you please open it? <laughs> Number three is physical touch. Some of my people in here, listen, you don't feel loved unless you're being touched. Listen, I need if you love me, I need you to touch me. And also, t- people who, who uh, respond to physical touch as well actually like to touch other people. So you'll find, too, yeah, I know, those annoying people that come around you when they're talking to you, and they always be like, so, you know, uh, I, I was trying to tell you that today we was trying to, and, and I, when I was saying this, I just, do you understand? Like, they're just touching you for no reason at all. Like, they just can't help it. They just got the can't help it. They, their hands have to touch you somehow. You'll know this, my husband and wives, if you're with somebody who, in, who admires physical touch because at nighttime, they got to touch you somehow, some way. A foot has to touch you. The backside of the leg has to touch you. They'll be asleep. They just throw their hand on top of you somewhere. It's just got to touch you somewhere because they're physical touch people, and that's how they express their love. And number four is quality time. My quality time, people. Listen, listen. You spend some time with me, sitting down with with a bowl of popcorn, and we just snuggling up on the couch. Listen, that is love to me. I love spending time with. Let's go somewhere together. Let's do anything together. We could just be sitting doing nothing together, as long as we're together. That yeah, as long as we're together, I feel loved and valued. As long as you're in my space somewhere. I mean, these are the people who freak out when your spouse has to go on a trip and he's gone for a day or two. Yeah, oh my God. Oh, I feel like I'm about to die. Where is he? Where is he? I need him back home. I need him back home now. you, you might be a quality time type of person And then my final love language that I want to bring attention to <laughs> my final love language is 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 words of affirmation. Where are my words of affirmation people at? My words of affirmation, people, don't mind making noise during worship. Yeah, yeah. My, because you understand those words mean something to God because words mean something to you. Oh, this is good. Words mean something to you. So so, so, so you feel love when people speak to you and they tell you that they love you and they speak words of encouragement to you and they say things that, ma- that affirm the love that they have for you. I love you and I think you're amazing. I mean, that makes your day if you see that, if you hear that somebody writes you something like that and you read it in, in a card. These are my people who love cards. I mean, you absolutely love the card more than what's in there with the gift. See, I used to be the person that you would just open the, the card up and just get the gift out of like, oh, gift card, praise the Lord. Hey, that's from such and such. Thank the Lord. But as I begin to go grow in my words of affirmation, I found that I open every single card and I like to read every single word because words mean something to me because words of affirmation is my top love language, and so I admire words of affirmation because that is my love language, and you know, I actually thought to myself and debated, what would God's love language be? I said, out of the five different languages, which one would God cherish the most? And I think, based on his history, that God would actually appreciate and celebrate words of affirmation more than anything. Why do you say that, Pastor Green? Why do you thank God uh, admires out of the five love languages. Why do you think his love language, his top love language, would be words of affirmation? I'm glad you asked, Church. That's a great question because when you go back and look at the law first mentioned and see this is God in motion when He does things for the first time, you got to pay close attention. And the first time God begins to do anything, what we see Him doing in the scene of Genesis chapter one, verse one through eleven is creating the heavens and the and the and and, and the earth. He creating everything he's putting everything together and the Bible says that he doesn't take his hands to put the world together the Bible says that he spoke and there was he spoke light and there it was he spoke and darkness separated from the light and that was the first day and then the next day he spoke and the ferments uh, divided uh, from 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 from, uh, from the grounds below he spoke things into existence and so God is a speaking God and he believes in using his words to express himself and he believes in using his words to create things and so we find that God is a God of words he loves to use his words because he believes in words and he he shows this and expresses this in his words and so I love this because we also understand in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that if God created the earth through his words and And Genesis 1 and 26 says, so in his likeness and his image, he created us. And so if we study the likeness of God and we're seeing his likeness in the scriptures here in Genesis, at that point, the only likeness that we can compare it to is what was spoken before it, which is that God was a creator with his words. And as he created things with his words, that means that if I'm made in his likeness and I'm made in his image, then that means that I'm a creator with my words too. Sheesh. Can I get a good amen right there? And so we got to be careful with what we say with our words because our words have power, because our words are fueled. Our words are like spears that go out and accomplish what we say that they do. And when we throw them out, they always land somewhere. So we gotta be careful because if God could create things with his words, what are we doing with our words? What can we do with our, what are we doing with the words that we're using out of our mouths? It's not just words that we say. Words have power and every word has an action behind it. Every word produces an action behind it. I'm going somewhere. And so we gotta be careful because our words have creative powers. And so I remember growing up as a kid and and I was told something that was an absolute lie. Y'all remember what it was? Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Baloney. Oscar Mayer, absolutely liar, right? say again, cap, as the young people would say, cap, all capital letters with the emoji con cap, blue cap, because honestly, I would rather you break my bone with your physical hands and it heals up. I can go to the doctor, cast it, and be okay in six weeks, but if you speak a word over me, that, that hits me the right way, it can scar me and stop me for life. Oh, you with me now? See, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can actually destroy your soul. And so we got to be very careful with the words that we use and what we say out of this mouth, what we say with our tongue because our tongue can actually do some things that are pretty devastating to our lives and to the lives of others around us. Touch your neighbor and say, you gotta watch what you say. My words form my world. Let me say this. If you want a better world, you might might wanna start using better words. If you want the world around you to change, then change the words that you're using and what you're releasing out of your mouth. Because what you, you will have what you say. You will have what you speak. And what you release out of your mouth actually goes out and accomplishes what you said it to do. So you got to make sure that what you say, you, you got to taste your words before you speak them. Let me think, let me taste them thoughts. Let me see, Mm-mm, I ain't gonna release that out, I'm gonna sit on that. Because if I release that out, that's gonna cause some, back, that's gonna cause some backlash, that's gonna cause some fury. And then we gonna get to that tongue that, that James is talking about in, in, the, in, in this book here where James is talking about how nasty and wicked the tongue is. You know, I started thinking to myself, the tongue, the way James describes his tongue it's almost like the tongue is is death like it's it's bad i mean i've never seen anyone describe the tongue like james describes the tongue and he begins to talk about the tongue and how nasty and how evil this tongue can be and so i thought to myself it would be really good to show people an example of what it means to have a tongue that is nasty and and, and disgusting. And so I thought to myself, I might want to give a great illustration today to help people understand and see what it means to have a tongue that is disgusting, a tongue that is nasty, a tongue that is just something that you just will never forget. And so let me get these gloves on real quick here. Let me see what you got there, sir. Can you bring that out to me? Oh, oh, wow, okay, wow. Let me see here. Uh-huh, thank you, sir. Let me just set this back here for a moment. So James says that in the tongue is restless evil. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And so, so, so I thought it would be fitting to be able to, so you guys could see how, how real a, a dead tongue could be by bringing a tongue for you guys to see. This is the tongue. This tongue belongs to some cow that is unlucky because this tongue represents death. This tongue is evil. Yeah, that's a evil tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. This tongue is something that I want you to picture as it relates to using your words in a negative way. That this is what your tongue produces is death. When you use your words in a negative way, when you use your words that are fueled in the wrong direction, when you're not life-giving with your mouth, your tongue, hello, can y'all see that? Y'all, yeah, y'all see that, right? Yeah, this is a great visual because I want you to understand <laughs> I want you to see and understand how serious this is that God actually cares about what you use your mouth to do and say. That your tongue actually means something to not just your life, but to the life of other people around you, to the life of other folks that live around you and that, that, that live beside you. These are people who God has entrusted to be in your presence and to be around you and God is expecting you to be a good steward of the tongue that you have. Ask your neighbor, are you stewarding your tongue well? <laughs> take this away, I can't, I can't even preach. They, 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 I got some people that are about to fall out in this room. <laughs> Keep it close, I might need it in a minute if I catch somebody being dirty with their mouth. I'll take it real close. So James, yeah, if I see somebody falling asleep, you're going to get a, a cow tongue right next to your face. You're going to. Don't go to sleep online. I'm going to mail you a tongue in Jesus' name. So James says that the tongue is a restless evil, but Proverbs also says that the tongue is life. So there is there's, there's this, there is this, durality of our, of our mouths that we could use our mouths that can produce death, we could use our mouths that can produce life. And so I think that this is such an important topic that I thought to myself, how do we identify if the words we are speaking or the words that, we have, that have been spoken over us are producing life? How can we determine if the words that, we have, been, that have been spoken over us or that we're using are actually producing life? I'm glad you asked that. The first thing, if you're taking notes that I want you to write down, if you're trying to figure out if, if your tongue is being used for life-giving methods is, number one, consider the source. Yeah. Yeah. Consider the source. When I um, look up stuff on google Asians, <laughs> when I go to Google, and I search for news or I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's happening in the country or something, something's going on, I'll go to Google and I'll search for it, but I don't just click on everything that pops up. I don't click on the first website that pops up at the top. I always consider the source. I wanna know if the source is credible. I wanna know if it's a credible news agency. I wanna make sure that this news that I'm about to put before me is actually coming from a credible source that has a proven history of producing news that is true and that is believable. Anybody with me? And so it's important for us to know the source of our words. And here's the question that I have for you. Who or where did you learn your words from? Things that make you go hmm. Who's the source of your words? Where did you learn how to use the words that you use? Who did you hear speaking to you that now you're speaking like? What did they say to you that you're saying to others? What did they say to you that's keeping you from being who you could be? What words were you raised on? Oh, that's good. What words were you raised on? I mean, can we really get into it? I mean, were you raised around F-bombs all the time? Come on now, were you raised around faith and words of encouragement? What source poured into you as it relates to the words that they used? I want you to think about that because that's important. And here's, here's some sources that we get our words from, you ready? We get our words from our parents. We get our words from our guardians. We get our words from our siblings. We get our words from school. We Now, if we, we flip it into this newer generation, we get our words from YouTube. We get our words from social media. Yeah. And so they say that this is the most parentless generation, Gen Z, I think, yeah, Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z is the most parentless generation that has ever existed of parents checking out mentally and allowing their kids to be raised by YouTube. So we will, allow our, we will allow our children to learn words from other people. Let me tell you something, when my wife and I were having children young, uh, we, made a very, we made a very, very crucial decision And it was a sacrificial one, but it was the right one. And we said to ourselves, we don't want any of our children to be watched or to be supervised or to be babysat by people that we don't know. And so what we decided to do is my wife decided to not work at all. And I was gonna go get two jobs if I had to, because I wanted to make sure that the deposits that were being made in my children were those of my wife and I and not someone else. Oh, this is good. See, my wife and I have been redeemed and set free, and, and, and we've been washed by the blood. So, so the words that we're using around our children are life-giving. The words that we're using around our children are setting them up for success. And oftentimes, we got to ask ourselves, what's the source or who spoke into me? And is this, is, is this why I'm speaking the way that I speak? Is my language being altered by those that are around me? Because oftentimes the source in which you first receive information from is what you act out in your life. If you can't say amen, say ouch, it's okay. <laughs> and so the closer the, relation I- the, the closer the relationship is, the deeper the words go. If it's somebody, uh, you know how it is. If it's somebody that you love, you're going to listen a lot harder. You're going to take more notes. You're going to write things down in your mind. And the more you hear it, and the more repetition it becomes around you, the more normal it becomes. And now those particular words become your norm, whether they're life-giving or not. And so this is important for you to understand that you've gotta consider the source. The greater the source for words, okay, the greatest source for words, now listen to this, the greatest source for words is found in the Word of God. Let 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 me just help everyone in the room the way the source that we need to pull our words from should be coming from the word of God, should be Bible based, should be something biblically based because the words that are in the scriptures are life and and they bring bring fruitfulness in our lives. The words in scripture are actually the words that God has used, and these are the words that we wanna be practicing in our lives. This is the source that we wanna expose ourselves to. This is the source that we wanna expose our children to. This is the source that we wanna expose those that are around us to, and this is the source that we need to expose to ourselves. But oftentimes, we won't pick up that book and read it because the book doesn't read to us like YouTube does. speak to us doesn't have music behind it like the stuff that we watch doesn't have doesn't have all the decorative stuff that makes you laugh every so often but you've got to force yourself to learn a new source the source has to be the word of God now God's word now God's word should always be the standard for the source but you gotta be careful who you learn I'm sorry you got to be careful who you lend your ears to let me say this some of us our sources are our um our unwise friends, unwise people who are speaking into us. You know the girlfriend who doesn't have a husband, but will tell you how to actually be with your husband. <laughs> oh man, I just stepped on somebody's feet. I did not mean to do that. You, you you mean you mean the homie that you're listening to that's still single, that's still a womanizer, that treats women like 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 they're trash, and then you're asking him for advice on your relationship. You know that source. So you got to be careful who you're lending your ears to because whoever you lend your ear to, you're giving power to. Whoever's whispering in your ear is speaking into your spirit and the words that they speak into your spirit are life and they are spirit and they will manifest. I remember having a young lady in our youth ministry and she would go to bed listening to stuff in her ear that was not of God. It was demonic, it was devilish. It was stuff that was speaking negativity in her and she would fall asleep listening to this stuff in her ears and it would get into her subconscious and one day in our youth ministry at the end of me preaching about demonic influence there was a demonic spirit that rose up in this small petite 15 year old girl that was so strong it was pushing grown men around in the circle as we began to circle around her and cast this demon out of her and she opened herself up to a source that was not of God and because her ears were open to the words that were being spoken she began to manifest from the source that was speaking to her wow. you got to be careful about your source and who you open your ears to because that matters number two what fruit has come from the tree? How to determine, this is how you determine whether it's, this is, this is how you determine, this is how you determine whether, whether it's life, is producing life. Check the fruit. Every tree is gonna produce the fruit that it's called to produce. If it's an apple tree, apple trees are gonna produce apples and you're gonna see apples manifest on a tree. If it's not, then it's not. If it doesn't have any fruit from it, but it has great tree limbs, it doesn't matter how good the tree looks if it doesn't have good fruit from it. This is an agricultural term that the Bible talks about often. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 says, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So what are you seeing in your life that's based on words that were spoken over you? I don't care how good you think a person was in your life. The question is, is what type of fruit are you producing because of their deposits? Because because the truth is in the fruit. The truth is in what you are saying out of your mouth and what you have received in your heart. The truth is, do you feel empowered or are you a life-giving person with your words because if you, were, if, if you were spoken to in a negative way, if words came your way that were not life-giving, then more than likely, if you have not came into relationship with Jesus and he hasn't changed your, your language by, by helping you be not, identifying with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to wash you from the inside out and change the way that you think and talk, then you're probably still producing those same lifeless words that were spoken over you and therefore the fruit in your life is lifeless. And so you gotta pay attention and ask yourself, do you see fruit? manifesting on the tree that is good or that is rotten. Yeah. What type of fruit am I displaying in my life? So how can we tell if we are suffering from a word wound? Number one, internal limitations. Whose voice is limiting your life right now? I want to ask you. You are grown. I'm, I'm talking about grown-ups right now. You are grown, professional, degreed man. Successful person, can I ask you something? Whose voice is limiting your life right now that spoke to you when you were small? That spoke something over you that didn't line up with success and life givingness? Whose voice is still playing over and over in your head telling you you can't? Got real quiet in this sanctified hallway. because you're remembering voices in your life that were spoken over you that were possibly not life-giving. And now you're starting to see that, that those words that were spoken over you have internally limited you, have created glass ceilings in your mind, have created cages around you in your heart that won't allow you to step outside of those barriers because a word was spoken over you that said you couldn't, that said you wouldn't, that said you shouldn't, that said you can't. And so internal limitations, yeah, we are coming after it in a minute, don't worry about it, I'm coming after it. Who's limit, whose voice is limiting your life? Was it a teacher that told you you'd never be anything? Was it a professor that didn't believe in you? Is it, is it music that you're listening to right now that's driving you in the wrong direction? Is it media? Is it bloggers? Is it the YouTubers? Whose voice is limiting you internally? Whose voice is not motivating you to move towards purpose? Whose voice is stopping you moving towards the plan that God has for your life? Whose voice is keeping you from going to get that degree? Whose voice is keeping you from accepting that internship? Whose voice is telling you you'll never be a good husband? Whose voice is telling you you'll never be a good person? whose voices have internally limited you. And here's the thing about this internal limitations. Love limits. Don't be limited by love. And what I mean by that is, sometimes we get, we get permission to people that we love to speak into us, even if the seed of their words are not good. Mm. <laughs> you gotta be careful with who's speaking into you because if you love them, you will value their words even more and what they say will take deeper root. And so you gotta make some decisions in your mind It says, no, I'm putting a block there. I'm gonna put up boundaries. Hello, somebody. Y'all like that big B word, boundaries. Boundaries means that you don't get to speak into my future. Nope, nope, your words aren't life-giving. You have, don't have a good track record with speaking life-giving things, so I'm gonna go this way, and I'm gonna listen to something else. You gotta be careful. You gotta start guarding who's speaking into your life. You gotta be very careful. The second thing that we notice with word wounds is this. This is big, and I need you to really just sit with me for a second on this one. Sarcasm and jokes. We're rehabbing in the area of word wounds today, right? I've learned that there's a little truth in every sarcastic statement. As a matter of fact, in our house, we've, we've nicknamed sarcasm, Scarkasm, because we've learned that, that words actually create wounds, even if we don't mean for them to. A joke could limit somebody's life for the rest of their lives. Being funny and sarcastic and just saying something in the moment that felt good, that made you feel good about yourself because you put them down. So really the truth of the matter is, people who are sarcastic on a regular basis are usually suffering from low self-esteem because it makes them feel good to put other people down. And if they could put somebody else down and make them feel bad about what they're saying, then maybe they'll actually feel good about who they are. Yee! Yeah, that's right, buddy. Yeah, amen. Miles. Miles said preach, pastor. because you need to watch what you say. We, we don't do sarcasm in my house. We don't do jabbing jokes at our house. We, we don't play games like that. We don't joke around and, and call people names and say things that put them down in a joking way. Ha <laughs> ha, you're stupid, ha ha ha, stupid, stupid. You, you. yeah, yeah, ha ha ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we don't play like that in my house. You know why? Because words have power and you could speak something over someone that they actually receive and that word has power so it actually manifests in their lives and now you're wondering why your kid is dumb because you call them dumb all the time when you get mad. It's family Sunday, I'm sorry. Let me be nice. Ooh, sorry. You gotta be careful with what you say even when you're laughing and you're joking with people and, and, and can I just say this, just can, I'm just saying this for every person you've ever been sarcastic to. Um, it's just a joke. It's not just a joke. If, if your jokes have words, then those words have power. And you got to watch what you joke about. You got to watch how you play with people because you never know what type of word wound you're speaking over someone's life. You never know how you could be limiting someone from being, being who God called them to be you'll never know why people wanna get away from you so much because you always have something negative to say and you're always joking and playing about something and you're always making them the butt of your joke and then they feel bad because your words are wounding them and keeping them from moving forward and having a healthy life, amen? And so scar- s- sarcasm and jokes become, a ca- oh, this is good, this is good, let me see that, son. Listen to this, listen this. I wrote this down last night, this is good. I feel like this is straight from the Holy Ghost. It says, it says a sarcasm and jokes become a coward's cloak to him, uh, uh, to him, yep, 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 to hide their their true feelings behind. Let me say that again. Sarcasm and jokes become a coward's cloak to hide their true feelings behind. Oftentimes what we're joking about with other people, we actually mean it but we don't wanna say it to them directly. And instead of having a mature conversation with someone about something that I'm bothered by, something that makes me upset, something that agitates me, I'll find a way to dig at them to say things that'll actually get under their skin. And I'm trying to get back at them because I'm upset with them or because they hurt me. And so so instead of being direct and being honest and saying what I really feel and actually having a sit down and come to Jesus meeting with the person, I'll say it in a dig. Jesus, forgive me, Lord. Jokes can really hurt people. Don't believe me, ask Will Smith. Don't believe me, ask Chris Rock. Don't believe me, ask Jada Smith. We've seen in our own culture how words can really hurt people, get under their skin, and jokes can get out of control and produce death and ruin careers and mess people's lives up. Make sure that, that your words are life-giving. Be careful with what you joke about right. and be careful with who you're sarcastic about and what you're saying because you could be saying something that could produce a word wound. Just because you're laughing doesn't mean that you're not crying on the inside. Some of us will laugh in the moment but we'll leave crying on the inside because you said something that just ticked something inside of me and I've always thought that about me and I've always wondered that about myself but oh, now I know you see it so now I feel some kind of way and I don't feel comfortable around you or myself because now I'm being more reminded of what I feel already defeated about and you just joked about it but you were joking but that really hit me hard because I, something inside of me is broken and, and you just said it and you just triggered something inside of me so now I'm, I'm in this triggered state and now I'm about to go make a poor decision because I need to anesthetize this triggeredness and this feeling that I have on the inside of inadequacy and so I got to do something to take that down I gotta do something to take the edge off. You see how this works? You gotta be careful with your words because every word can produce a wound. Let me say this, number three is weaponized words. Weaponized words, y'all stay, y'all with me? Yes. Weaponized words. These are words that we use intentionally to hurt someone else instead of using physicalities. This means when you get mad and you get upset, whoo-hoo! You are, y- y'all know we got everybody got somebody in the family that are super fly with those words. I mean they will get you up one side and put you all together, not moving their feet or hands at all, just hold their head tall like this and just uh, 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 hit you all over the head with their words. Those are called weaponized wordplay. When we use our words to tear people down, and instead of fighting with our fist. We will fight people with our words. And we will say things in the moment that we don't mean. We will speak things to people that we didn't mean to say. This is when we have arguments with our spouses, our loved ones, our kids, our our, our coworkers, and we spout out things in the moment because we're in the heat of the moment and we're angry. So we're gonna weaponize our words and we're gonna use words that we can say to hurt you intentionally because you just hurt me. Oh, you're going to say that? I got something for you. Well, let me tell you about yourself. You you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Volume goes up, words come out, and they can hurt. I've seen people bridge relationships that never could be reconciled because of words that were used during moments of heated arguments. I've seen couples have to go through years of therapy, not because of knuckles and fists, but because of words. You gotta be careful with how you use your words because you could be weaponizing your words and tearing someone down and creating a word wound in them that can take a long time to heal. There are words we intentionally use to hurt people. Some of us would never take a swing at anyone, but we would gut punch someone with our words. I think I'm in the room. Let me say this to you, verbal abuse is a real thing. I don't know why I said that, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say that. Verbal abuse is just as bad as physical abuse. And you should not subject yourself to verbal abuse from anyone. You should be able to talk to someone and be able to use your feelings and your emotions and be able to speak in a healthy way, not in a way that is threatening, not in a way that makes me feel threatened, not in a way that makes other people feel inferior, but words that you use should be life-giving and you should be careful what you say some of you need to just take a walk listen just that you don't even need to talk just just go walk for 15 seconds 20 seconds I'm just gonna walk over here get my mind together get my heart together because I'm about to say something that I probably will regret and I just want to take a walk and get my mind together some of you just need to pray Holy Spirit will you help me because I want to help them real good Be careful that the enemy doesn't use you to weaponize your words against other people. So let's get into some solutions, because I'm not gonna leave you like that. I love being in this building because we have more time. Okay, so how do we escape the effects of word wounds? If we've established that we have a wound in our spirit If we establish that we have a word wound in our lives, if we establish that someone said something that hurt us, that tore us down or we establish today that we've been using words that are tearing people down, that are holding people back, that are keeping people from being who God called them to be, keeping them from being their best. How do we move forward? I'm so glad that you asked. Number one is you got to condemn every word. I'm coming to the word of God because this is how you fix a word with a word. You fix a word, you fix a word that is wrong with a word that is right. Ah, this is good. And so let me take you back into uh, 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 this this word that we spoke uh, to you guys here. Actually, I didn't I didn't read it. Isaiah 54 and 17. Y'all all know this, y'all ready? We 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 sing the song, Fred Hammond made the song, y'all ready? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work but let me read what it says. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but listen to this part, you ready? And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Yeah. Now, when I was younger, I used to think that God was gonna condemn those words against me. I used to think it was God's job to turn those words around that were used against me. But when I read scripture and I studied it and I saw it in scripture, it says, every, uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that is formed against me, I shall condemn. So what does that mean? That means that every word that has been spoken against you, that doesn't line up with the purpose of God, that doesn't produce life in your life, once you identify that word, it's your job to condemn that word. How do you condemn a word? I'm glad you asked. You do it through prayer. You do it through opening up your mouth and speaking against the word that was spoken against you. Oh, this is good. Now it's about to get real good in here because I'm gonna show you how to reverse the curse that was spoken over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I reverse every curse that was spoken over me in my childhood. Every teacher that didn't believe in me that said something snooty or smart. Every person that said something that, I, that, 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 that came against the will of God for my life, I condemn it in Jesus' name. I cast down every word wound in Jesus' name. Every word weapon that came against my life, I cast it. This is how you condemn every word. You've got to get aggressive like those words are aggressive against you. We want to play with it. You're going to think, oh, I'm just going to think happy thoughts. That won't (laughs) fix it, boo. You got to open up your mouth because remember, I showed you the power of words. Words aren't words if they're still in your thoughts. Words are only words when they're released out of your mouth. So if a word was spoken over you, you got to speak a word against it. What's the weapon that comes against the weapon? The words that you speak are life and spirit. So come against what, was, what came against you. Speak something different than what was spoken over you. Find that thing and call it out. Yes. Say something different. This is what I do. I do it in the moment. We do stuff in the moment. My kids even call me out on this stuff. My son hit me this week with it. He was like, Daddy, that's not life-giving. I said, you are a show right, son. Let me fix my life. Let me get myself together. Let me pick up my whole face off the ground before I preach this sermon. Because my son just put me together real good. You got to start catching stuff in the moment. Somebody speaks something over you that's negative, that doesn't line up with God's will, something over your health, something over you. I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that. Nope, I don't receive that. Nope, so sorry. That doesn't line up with God's will for my life. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Speak it. If they were bold enough to speak negative, you'd be bold enough to speak positive. Sheesh. Come on now. Number two, listen to this, write this down. Pull a bad weed, sow a good seed. I'll make it make sense in a moment. Pull a bad weed, sow a good seed. You know, there's a a scripture in the Bible that talks about um, demonic spirit being rebuked out of a man. And then the Bible says that it comes back with friends to search the house to see if it has a place anymore. For it to rest and, it's, and if it finds that place unswept then it sits and it comes in seven times stronger than it was and so here's what i've learned about pulling out bad words or speaking over negative words like it's okay to condemn that word and rebuke that word and cancel that word in the name of jesus but you got to speak something life-giving in the place so when that word comes back to visit you it doesn't have anywhere to sit So what does that look like? When you take a word out, let let me give you for instance, okay? Uh, You can't do it, you can't do it. You're not good enough, you can't do it, you just can't. You're just not good enough to do it, you just can't. You gotta gotta replace that, gotta rebuke that word in Jesus' name and then you gotta replace it with Stuff like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance. I need keys. We had you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Philippians 413, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. So don't tell me what I can't do. I will tell you what I can do through Christ that strengthens me. That's taking out a a weed and sowing a seed. See, you got to put something godly in the place of what the enemy tried to sow into your life. Otherwise, the enemy can come back and have a place to sit when he's ready. How about you were an accident? Oh, I'm coming for you today. How about my parents didn't mean to have me? How about I'm a result of an accident? I wasn't even supposed to be here. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here. You got to replace that with words like this. Psalms chapter 139 verse 13 says, For you were formed, for you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. It is the Lord who created you. It is the Lord that designed you. It is the Lord that made you the way that you are. You are not an accident. You got to speak over that word, pull it out of you, and then sow a good seed. How about this? You'll never be anything. You'll never be anything. You're gonna be just like the people in your family. You're gonna never be anything. You're never gonna accomplish anything. You're never gonna do it. You can't do it. You're never going to be anything. You're gonna rebuke that. No, no, devil, I will be something. As a matter of fact, God made me something, and then you gotta hit him with something like this in Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has given me a future and a hope, so I don't agree with that word, and as I take that word out, I replace it with a word that gives me life in Jesus' name. How about this? No one will ever love you. You're unlovable. No one will ever love you. Who wants to love you? Who is going to love you? I'm glad you said that because my Bible says in John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world. That's me, boo, just in case if you didn't know. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How about you ugly? You sure is ugly. Got the seely spirit. Rebuke that spirit. Tell them I'm not ugly. I'm beautiful. Tell them I'm not ugly. I got it going on. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that. I will not live my life in a place thinking that I'm not attractive, thinking that I'm not pretty, not liking what I see when I look in the mirror. So I'm going to hit the enemy with this one. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your, I'm marvelous child, you better watch out. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows well. You better know that God made you marvelous. You better know God made you to be something. You better stop agreeing with what the enemy has spoken over your life and start speaking life-giving things. When you pull a weed, you got to sow a seed. When you pull something out, you got to put something new down into the ground because the enemy will try and stop you and will try and keep you from being who God is called you to be. Everyone standing to your feet. Wow. Thank you for your words, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. Lord, I feel you leaning on the hearts of those that are in this room, those that are watching online. Lord, I just take this moment to speak life. You shall live and not die you shall walk and not faint you are the blessing of Abraham you are the seed of Abraham you walk in blessing because you have been adopted into a family Yeah, I know you might have not grown up with a good family, but I need you to understand you're now in the family of God. You are a kingdom citizen, and God has great things in store for you. No matter what you were born into, God has something special for you because you are a king's kid. There are king's benefits that come along with you being a king's kid. There is an inheritance that you are not even aware of that you are walking in. You walk in the inheritance of blessing and abundance and healing and grace. you walk in and abide abundance of things that God has provided for you, provision and safety and security. God has you covered no matter what has been spoken over your life right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not even doing an altar call because it'll be too full down here. I'm just going to pray for you right where you are because I just believe that there are word wounds that need to come out. If you say right now, Father, if you say right now, Pastor, there were words that have been spoken over my life that did not agree with the will of God for my life. Can you just put your hands up? I need to know who I'm praying for in this room. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Most, of us in this room, if you're watching online, wave your hands right there. We're going to pray with you as well. We're going to break every curse that's been spoken over your life. So come on, let's do it. Let's do what I just showed you to do. Let's condemn every word. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I need you to open up your mouth. I need you to remember the word wound that's been spoken over your life. I need you to remember what was spoken over you that wasn't the will of God, no matter it was in your childhood, or no matter it was in your marriage last night. Excuse me. want to challenge you right now to open up your mouth and speak to that word wound right now. Do it. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Come on. It won't go unless you speak to it. It won't go unless you open up your mouth and say, I cancel the assignment of the enemy. I cancel that word that was spoken over me. I cancel that word that said I was going to be dumb, that I would not be able to learn or read or be educated. I cancel that in the name of Jesus. I cancel what that teacher said to me. I cancel what my father said to me. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I cancel what my dad never spoke to me that I needed to hear. Those life-giving words, those words of identity, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're speaking to me through Scripture. I thank you that you are my heavenly Father. I thank you that when my father and my mother forsake me as david said the lord will take me up yeah yeah speak to those words come on cancel the assignment of the enemy you're freeing your life up by opening up your mouth and speaking to every word wound that was spoken over you your words have power they have life and they have spirit this is why the bible says that you should open up your mouth and speak because life and death are in the power of your tongue of your tongue not the pastor's tongue your tongue I'm coming in agreement with whatever you're canceling in the name of Jesus we cancel the assignment of the enemy in the name of Jesus we speak life and not death in the name of Jesus and now Lord we pray right now that you would sow the seed of your word Lord I pray you give I pray you give him a scripture a word in your Bible That would speak to that area of brokenness, that woundedness, that area where I feel insignificant, that area that I've been spoken into and I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can't move forward because a word that was spoken over me, something that was said in my childhood, I still think about it today. I still hear those words in my mind. I cancel that in the name of Jesus and I release freedom in the name of Jesus. I cancel every assignment of the enemy, every generational curse of words being passed down from generation to generation. This is how mom talked. This is how grandma talked to mom. This is how dads and grandfathers talked. No, no. It stops with me today. I shall speak words that are life-giving. I'm going to speak words over my children that are life-giving. I'm going to speak words over my marriage and over my wife that's life-giving. I'm going to speak words over my employees and people that work with me that are life-giving. Life-giving. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise and honor that you're breaking every word wound bringing healing on the inside. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us power through our words to break every chain in jesus name there is power in the name of jesus take a moment let's just sing this together and then we're going to say amen and we're going to go home but i need you to sing this because there is power in the name of jesus thank you for tuning in Please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear more messages like this one. If you like what you heard, please share with your family and friends. Don't forget to connect with us on our website at CourageousChurch.online. Courageous Church. Courageous People.